Let's turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 18. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue on in this journey. We're in this these two chapters, 17 and 18, that are dealing with Babylon, mystery Babylon, that great city as it's referred to in scripture of Babylon. I titled this morning's message, Babylon Judged and Destroyed. I think it's a question that many have asked, those that study Bible prophecy, those of us that are reading our Bibles, are we talking here about a literal city of Babylon or are we just talking about something symbolic of some spiritual significance when we think of Babylon? Good commentators on both sides of the question have different interpretations. Some see it as a literal rebuilt Babylon and others just see it as spiritual Babylon. I have a few pictures, um, I think the next picture maybe, of, not that one, that's an old picture, but right there. That's a picture of what has been built in Iraq today under Saddam Hussein that initiated the rebuilding of this ancient area of Babylon. Wanting to revive it, he believed that he was going to be the resurrected Nebuchadnezzar, believed that he was, and that he was going to be ruling this new rebuilt Babylon. You know, you can never squash this thing because it goes all the way back to Genesis 10 and 11. Babylon has been really a, a city of wickedness, and everyone and every Jew knew everything about that. Go, go to these, uh, these other slides here just to show you what has been rebuilt. The construction efforts have ceased for the moment. Here's one of them, there's another one. That was gonna be headquarters, if you wanna say, for Saddam Hussein, uh, that uh, right there in Babylon. Go ahead and, there's a few more. Portion of the city there. So we have just a few, if you wanna go on and look, you can find lots of pictures of all of this city that has the start of being rebuilt. Interesting. I'm of the opinion and of the interpretation that Babylon will be rebuilt, that it'll be a literal city that'll be rebuilt there on the same location that it always has been, on the Euphrates River in the uh, area of Iraq, modern day Iraq today. But I also see Babylon as two things. One, I see it as a religious system that'll be in the world during the tribulation period. I shared about that over the last two weeks from Revelation chapter 17. We're in chapter 18 this morning, which is gonna speak of Babylon and the commercial system, the commercial side of Babylon. Both of these are parts of Babylon that God will destroy by the end of the tribulation period. We might also call this religious Babylon. And Babylon going all the way back to its beginning days of Babel, has been a religious mecca of all these religions that have been spawned out of Babylon, even to this present day. The deception that came through this city and spread through the whole world. This religious system, we might call it, will be one day during the tribulation period. By the way, I believe the church will be removed, will be gone. But this religious system is gonna be destroyed by the beast and also by the kings of the earth at that time. They are going to be done with religious Babylon. Why? Because it's really gonna conflict with the Antichrist who by the middle of the tribulation period is gonna 
pronounce himself basically to be God and that he would be worshipped as God. He has no need for a religious system because I'm the one that he says needs to be worshipped. By the end of chapter 17 and verse 18 we read, and the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the king's of the earth. And so this religious system that will be in place in the beginning days the antichrist will be all about it, a religious system. It'll be in that day when the church is removed and what remains is the false church. The church that is that it remains on this earth will not be the true church. But what remains, I believe, they're going to be happy when we're gone. Those that are on this earth now that are plain religion, that will fall under this religious system, will be happy when you and I that know the Lord are gone. Now we can have our own church. In chapter 18, this morning, commercial Babylon. The emphasis is going to be upon this great city with all of her luxuries, and her commerce. We know in chapter 18 also that this commercial system, which God hates, is going to be destroyed by the end of the tribulation period. The religious system is probably going to be destroyed by the Antichrist and the kings of the earth by the middle of the tribulation period when the Antichrist sets up his image in the temple, demands that he's worshipped by God, the commercial side of Babylon will be completely destroyed by God by the end of the tribulation period. This religious system, this harlot in 17, is riding on the backs, we could say, of this economic system that we see in Revelation 18. And it's deceptive. It's corrupting the world. It's drawing the world in. And both of these systems are what God hates and why God will judge and God will destroy Babylon. You see, Babylon is really just one city, but it has different systems and different things that have drawn the world into it. Look at your Bibles at Revelation chapter 18, starting in verse 1. After these things, John says, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And so we can see Babylon, even in these first three verses, committing fornication with that mystery Babylon, that harlot, that mother of religions and the merchants of the earth having become rich through the abundance of Babylon's luxury. John starts this chapter in verse 1 with the words, after these things. It's the Greek word metatata, which implies that there's a sequence of events that is happening here. It's why we have a chapter break between chapter 17 and chapter 18 because it's a sequence of events is about to change in the narrative. 
we see these words after these things, John says, I saw another angel. Now this other angel, uh, who some see as possibly being Michael the archangel, he's different from one of the seven angels that we read in chapter 17, verse 1, when it says, And one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me. This would have been another one of the angels in heaven that is pouring out the bowls upon the earth, the bowl judgments. Here, it's going to be another angel coming down from heaven. And what John sees is this angel descending from heaven in all of his glory and all of this brightness this, that illuminates the earth. I, I, I have a picture of, I mean, I want you to just think of what, and I believe this is literally going to happen, this angel coming out of heaven with the brightness of this glory illuminating the entire, can you just see how this earth just lit up in the moment. This is at the end of the tribulation period. Descending from heaven in all of his glory and illuminates the whole earth. Remember Moses? Remember his face when he had that encounter with God and his, he came down to the people and his face was just shining with that Shekinah glory on his face, the presence of God, the, this angel approaching earth, that last judgment against Babylon at the end of the tribulation period. We're told that he comes and this angel comes and has great authority, which I think speaks about what he's about to do in the way of the judgment that's going to come upon this earth, that he has all authority to execute the judgment that is going to come upon Babylon. It speaks of the importance. It speaks of the magnitude of the judgment that's about to come. By the way, Michael the angel, Michael the archangel, his name means who is like God. Interesting. In verse 2, this angel is crying out mightily with a loud voice. The angel cries mightily with this loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons. A prison for every foul or every unclean spirit. And a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Why, to a Jew, this is very significant. Birds in scripture, they, they often speak of evil things or unclean things to a Jew. And here we're reading that this city of Babylon and maybe even leading into the millennial reign will be like a cage for demons during that time. A dwelling place. A, a Babylon that has been completely destroyed by God now turning into a heap of rubble and a dwelling place for demons during that time, following the destruction of Babylon. After the fall of Babylon, this dwelling place for demons, it's going to be for just a period of time. Because you see, there's going to come a point at which God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to be dwelling with the Lord for a thousand years here on earth, reigning as kings and priests with him during that millennial reign. Even the, and if you want to spend some time reading about the destruction of Babylon via the prophet Jeremiah, then you can just jot down chapter 50 and 51 of Jeremiah, which speaks about the destruction of Babylon. We read in Jeremiah, just for a, a couple of verses, Jeremiah 50 verse 39, the prophet said, Therefore 
the wild desert beast shall dwell there with the jackals, and the ostriches shall dwell in it. It shall be inhabited no more forever, nor shall it be dwelled from generation to generation. Babylon, through all of its history, has slowly faded away and emerged again and faded away and emerged again. But we know that what the prophet is speaking of here is that Babylon, to the degree that it's going to be destroyed at the end of the tribulation period, never to rise again. This will be the first time. Jeremiah also wrote in chapter 51, verse 37, Babylon shall become a heap, a dwelling place for jackals, an astonishment and a hissing without an inhabitant. It's just going to be completely annihilated by God. The prophet Isaiah, he also prophesied in chapter 13, verse 21. He says, but wild beasts of the desert will, will lie there and their houses will be full of owls, Ostriches will dwell there and wild goats will caper there. These are all just unclean animals. Speaking of that demonic presence that will be there after Babylon is destroyed. Nimrod, who was that first king to rule the kingdom there in Genesis chapter 10, his kingdom was Babylon. And since that time, the harlot has been sitting on the waters that we read about last week. The waters, meaning the nations, the people of this world, sitting upon the waters, bringing and deceiving mankind through religious deception. I believe that mystery Babylon or religious Babylon and even commercial Babylon are both going to be a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. You see, what God is doing here is he's taking something that started back in Genesis 10 and 11 and he's bringing it full circle to the end times and he says, I'm going to completely annihilate it and destroy it completely. The future corruption of Babylon, God must judge, and God will do that. In the end, the world is going to see this last ruling king, the Antichrist, who's going to be the ultimate rebellion against God. You see, Babylon, Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, they're all going to meet their final judgment. They're all going to come to that place where God is going to cast them into the bottomless pit, into the lake of fire. And then it's going to be at that point where the kingdoms of this world are going to be the kingdoms of our Lord and our Christ. And Jesus Christ, he is going to reign forever and Revelation eleven fifteen. For all the nations, verse 3, have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Notice that it's all the nations have drunk. This is not just one nation, but all the nations of the world have been corrupted by her religion, by her commercialism. It sounds kind of like the world we're living in now. Look at our world now. Look at the religious systems that are out there deceiving multitudes and multitudes of people. Look at the commercialism in our world today. Look what it's doing to our world today. God must and will judge these things. Babylon will be judged. The kings of the earth, we're told, have committed fornication with her. They've been polluted. And I want you to think, and I brought this up last week, about the multitudes of people under the leadership of the kings of these nations 
like China, like North Korea, like all of these Islamic nations, like India, just to name a few, had been sitting under the rulership of a king, and the whole nation is predominantly deceived by these false religions. These kings have used their corrupted political power for their own gain. And you know, even today, you, I've been just recently heard how uh, uh, the, uh, the ruler over there in North Korea, you know, he lives in this luxury, just like most of them do. They live in luxury while their people are starving. God hates that system. And God will judge those kings. God will judge those nations in the end. The merchants of the earth. Those who travel the world to trade. Those who have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Remember this is Babylon in a locale in one location. But it encompasses really the whole world. Commercialism. Greed. Abundance. Luxuries. Materialism is all part of it. Did you know how materialism is defined? Materialism is defined as a focus on possessions, a devotion to material wealth, and possessions at the expense of spiritual or intellectual values. Somebody that just has their whole focus on materialism, on money, even at the expense of others. According to the World Wealth Report, this goes back to 2013, there were at that time 12 million millionaires around the world. Today, the estimate in 2023 is 56.1 million millionaires throughout the world. The U.S. topped the list of countries in 2013 at 3.44 million. And in 2021, that number grew to 21 million 953. Uh, 51,000 millionaires, that's double. Forbes also listed 1,210 billionaires in the world in 2011. And in 2022, Forbes listed 2,668 billionaires in the world, growing and growing rapidly. And so when we think of materialism, when we think of commercialism, when we think of all these things that are grabbing hold of the world, it's a big thing in God's eyes. Verse 23 tells us that the merchants are the great men of the earth. And great only meaning that they use their financial power basically to get what they want. And we see that happening all around us in the world today. They live for material gain. And they use their power even at the expense of a person's soul. They use people they sell people. They enslave people. And they do it all for their own gain. God hates commercial Babylon. Corrupted politics. Bribery. And international business. Oil. Natural resources. Drug trafficking. Legal and illegal. Alcohol. 
pornography, prostitution, slavery, sex trafficking, the stock market, world trading, and even religion is becoming big business to a lot of people. That's the world we're in. And it's going to get worse going forward. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10, he says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's what money will do. Then when you're focused on material, when, when that's your direction, it's what it'll do. The judgment which this angel announces upon, we see three groups here in this chapter. We see in verses 4 to 8 that this judgment is going to come upon the nations. They're going to be judged. Whole nations being judged by God. The kings of the earth in verses 9 to 10 are going to be judged by God. The merchants of this earth in verses 11 to 20 are going to be judged by God. And lastly, Babylon itself is going to have a final destruction by God in verses 21 to 24. Let's look at verses 4 to 8. The angel pronounces judgment on the nations. And keep in mind that the timing of this destruction that we're reading of here is all happening at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. Verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, unless you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven. And God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed. Mixed double for her in the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously in the same measure give her torment and sorrow for she says in her heart, and this is a pride-filled heart, I sit as queen, and I'm no widow, and I will not see sorrow. Do you hear the pride in that? That's a pride-filled heart. Therefore, her plagues will come when? In one day, death and mourning, famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. Babylon. Completely destroyed. Why? Because God must judge Babylon. And he will. In verses 4 to 8, it sounds to me like the judgment that was pronounced upon Sodom and Gomorrah, doesn't it? In Genesis chapter 19, when the, when the angel urged Lot and his family to flee before the judgment was rained down upon them. We read in Genesis 19.15, when the morning dawned, the angels, they urged Lot to hurry and saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. John hears this voice from heaven calling, in essence, his people to come out from this city. Why? Because that final judgment is coming. Verse 5 says, Her sins have reached to heaven. And God has remembered her iniquities. Another translation reads, her sins have piled up in heaven and they have reached heaven. 
In Babel, the people attempted to make a name for themselves by constructing a tower that would reach up to God, reach into heaven. We might call it the Tower of Sin back in Babel. Man just trying to build this tower that would go up into the heaven. And like the voice of Abel's blood crying out from the ground to God in Genesis 11.4. And like the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah that had become, a, had become great before the Lord. And God, we're told, heard their cries. Genesis 19.13. And like Nineveh's wickedness that had come up before God in Jonah 1.2. You see, these things reach up, these sins that... Pilate, they reach up to the God in heaven. And verse 5 says that God has remembered her iniquities. Don't ever think, for you and I, don't ever think that God forgets a single sin. Don't ever think that he overlooks corruption. It may seem like that as you look at our world today. When is justice going to win out? When is this going to be dealt with? God will deal with it. But don't ever think that God overlooks the corruption in the world. That he's going to let sin go unpunished. You see, God sees it all. As a matter of fact, you and I stand naked before God with whom we have to do. There's nothing hid from God. Every child who has ever been abused. Every nation and every king that has ever oppressed its people. Every false religious group that kills in the name of their God, in the name of Allah, God's going to judge. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 5. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. The wickedness of man has become so great by the end of the tribulation period that God's righteous character demands that he intervene, and he will. Verse 6, he will render, he, or he will repay to her just as she rendered to you. Verse 6, he will repay her double according to her works in the cup which he has mixed, mixed double for her. In verse 7, he will, in the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen. I'm no widow and will not see sorrow. Isn't it amazing the false security that people can have? Isn't it amazing how ugly pride is? False security that people have. God said through Jeremiah the prophet in chapter 50 verse 31, Behold, I am against you, Babylon, O most haughty one, says the Lord of hosts, for your day has come, the time that I will punish you. The pride, the deceitfulness of sin that people believe. They, they, they stand in their pride. Those people that Make the comments, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of the grave. I'm not afraid of dying. 
You know, and if there's a hell, then I'll party with my friends when I get there. That's pride. That's, that's a heart that just has completely turned away from the Lord. Look at verse 8. Therefore her plagues will come in one day. Death will come. Mourning will come. And famine will come. And she will be utterly burned with fire. Just like a burned down city. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. The saints, we're told, will be rejoicing in heaven at this time. At the marriage supper of the Lamb. In our next chapter, chapter 19, verse 3. They're all saying again, they say, hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. We're going to be rejoicing in that day. We're going to see the righteous judgments of God being played out. And we're going to be in agreement. They come quickly. In verse 8, their, their plagues will come in one day. In verse 10, for in one hour, your judgment has come. Your doom has come. For in one hour, in verse 19, she is made desolate. When the seventh bowl is poured out into the air, it will be the end of the tribulation period. And we know from Revelation chapter 16, if you were here for that, that now it tells us now the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and great Babylon was remembered before God. In other words, it's time. God's remembering now before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away and the mountains were not found and great hail from heaven fell upon men each hailstone about the weight of a talent and men blaspheme God because of the plague of the hell since that plague was exceedingly great. That is in correlation to these bold judgments that are being poured out in chapter 16. Look at verse 9. Then the kings of the earth who committed fornication, who lived luxuriously with her, will weep and lament for her. And when they, speaking of the king, see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, the kings are saying, alas, alas, the great city of Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. The seven remaining kings. It starts with ten. Three of them are done away with by the Antichrist. Seven remain. Remember that revived Roman Empire that we talked about, the ten toes? The, those that co-reign with the kings, they, they submit to the authority of the Antichrist. They themselves, the kings of the earth, these seven kings standing in fear at a distance. And some have even thought maybe they're standing at this point in the valley of Jezreel, the place where the battle of Armageddon is going to be. And if you just look going east, that way towards the river Euphrates, they might even be able to see the smoke ascending up from the destruction of literal Babylon in that day. Fear on their faces in that moment. It reminded me when I was reading that about the many times I saw the faces of the people in New York as they stood there watching those twin towers completely come crumbling down to the ground. Just like that. People couldn't even believe it. They stood there in fear looking up. And here's these kings that are going to be standing there possibly looking towards Babylon, 
seeing God and his destruction upon this city. The kings and the shipmasters, both watching from a distance as Babylon burns. From one hour, your judgment has come. Verse 11. The merchants of the earth are also going to weep and mourn over her. For no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls. That's all fine jewelry. Fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet. That's fine clothing. Every kind of citron wood and every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and cinnamon and incense, franken, uh, uh, frank, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and bodies and souls of men. These were all common things in John's day that he's writing here. We don't know exactly what all these things will be under this center for commercial trade. But what's interesting about this list of these things that all of these things fall into the category of excess. They're not necessities, they're excess that man's flesh desires and wants. But the one that gets me out of this list is that last one in verse 13. The bodies and the souls of men. And you see in the name of false religion, lives have been taken away. In the corruption and the power of politics, lives are being destroyed every day. In the power and the evil and the lust for riches and material gain, the souls of people are being marketed in this world and destroyed. Did you know that human trafficking, labor trafficking, sex trafficking, modern day slavery is estimated at $150 billion a year? Global pornography, $100 billion a year. Illegal drug sales, $32 billion a year. Smugglers and refugees, $6.75 billion a year. And the list goes on and on. Commercial Babylon is going to be destroyed. And listen to what the end will be. For all those who will pursue power and riches and material gain. Verse 14, the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you. It's gone. And all the things which are rich and splendor, splendid have gone from you. And you shall find them no more at all. God's going to bring an end to it. The merchants, verse 15 of these things, who become rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, the great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches have come to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ships, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, were told they stood at a distance. And they cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? They threw dust on their heads and they cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, the great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. That's the earth. But look what's happening in heaven in verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Celebration. 
in heaven. The merchants, the things that made them rich, now coming to nothing. And they're standing in fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. Remember when the stock market gave way in the, what, the 20s or whatever it was, and people were going out and committing suicide and everything? Said, it's all over. Nothing to live for. The shipmasters throwing dust on their heads and crying out, weeping and wailing. Alas, alas, the great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth. From one hour she's made desolate. When God says it's time, when judgment comes down and he says now it's time, it's done. There's no reason to delay. We're not gonna, it's not going to drag out over months and, and one hour. We close in verse 21 to 24. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sound of harpist, musicians, flutists, and trumpeteers shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman or any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery, that's the word pharmakia. By your sorcery, by your practices, by your drug, by your magic, all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints, and all who were slain on the earth. God's going to deal with it. It's coming, church. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, if you're born again, you have him in your heart, you've confessed your sin before God, You've invited him to come inside of you and live inside of you by his Holy Spirit. You're a born-again Christian. You're a child of God. If you know that, then none of the things that I'm reading here in essence really concern you because you won't be here. But we have people that will be, that we know. It should compel us to want to go out. And if you're here and don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior... What I started out this morning in Romans chapter 13, it's high time. Today is the day. I say, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, you better come up and talk to me afterward because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Tomorrow is like a vapor. You know the fog when it hits and when the sun hits that fog and it's just like, boom, it's gone. Just in a moment, the Bible likens your life to like vapor. It's here for a moment and then it vanishes away. And there is no chance after that. Today is the day of salvation. And so come and see me afterwards. It's a simple, God, I need you in my life. I repent, I need you in my life. And invite him to come in. And you can leave this place today knowing that you're saved and that you're a child of God. The finality of this final judgment is going to be great. And like I say, this is at the end. This is, this is like the closing climax next to the Lord coming back at his second coming. But this is all happening right close together. The Lord is going to return in chapter 19. The second coming of Jesus Christ. But Babylon is going to be dealt with in those final days, that final hour. It's 
Let's have the worship team come up. Closes in a worship song. Christians, um, those of you that know the Lord, pray. If there's anyone here that doesn't know the Lord, pray. I know it's a spiritual battle. I know that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those that don't know the truth. Pray that eyes would be opened, hearts would be opened to the Lord. If you're here and you know the Lord and you've got compromise in your life, you're not walking with the Lord, there's things that are keeping you from moving forward in your relationship with him that need to be repented of. My prayer is that you'll come up here. You'll say, you know what, I need prayer. There's going to be people up here to pray with you. I'm not talking about the everyday struggles that we have at times as Christians. I'm talking about somebody that is deliberately not walking, yet they say they're a child of God. That you would come up here and humbly set your heart before the Lord and say, God, would you forgive me? And don't be concerned with what everybody else is thinking. If God is real to you, then be serious in your walk with him. So let's all stand, church. Let's, <clears throat> let's worship the Lord. Those of you that need to respond, whether that's salvation or just returning to your first love. Come on down. I'm going to be standing down here. There'll be others down here. We'll pray with you. And we can sort all of that out this morning. Praise the Lord. Let's worship.